0: Isn't the body of Christ awesome? Amen? Amen. You know, Jesus was the inventor of diversity, you know. We don't think about that sometimes, but he is, isn't he? Isn't he responsible for the creation of our world and everything on it? All the different sounds and all the different voices and all of the different us. And you can imagine as Jesus now has gathered all this multitude together and remember that in this parable will be tonight in Matthew chapter 13 and as Jesus gets down with this group and they're now down next to the shore at the Sea of Galilee and Jesus has now been pushed out in, in a boat out a little ways from the shore and he begins with this parable And as he begins that parable, remember these are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. And so the Lord is really teaching in a wonderful way. And he begins with the parable of the sower, the first half of which we saw last Sunday night. We continue and finish it up. But now we begin to reveal and conceal at the same time with Jesus. As Jesus is speaking... You see, there's really two types of people. And Jesus has already spoken in the Sermon on the Mount. He's ministered to all of this diversity that's scattered all over this hillside. And he's reminded them, reminds us tonight, that in one sense, we're all made out of the same kind of dirt, the same soil. The difference is not the soil itself. The difference is the condition of the soil. We all have it. There's some soil there in your life, in my life, in our lives collectively. The question is, is it ready to receive the word of God? Receive the seed. And so Jesus begins and he continues on. We'll pick up in verse 10 of Matthew 13. And before we do, let's pray. Father, we have again come to just settle in with Jesus Lord not me with our Lord who spoke these words Father two thousand years ago our Savior stood there in that boat and spoke to the multitude gathered on the shore may we have that same experience would these be heavenly words or are earthly stories but would you speak to us by the power of your spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 10, here in Matthew 13. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus, what are you doing? Why are you doing it this way? A couple days ago, you were up on the mountaintop and you were speaking this incredible message. Heavenly attitudes, these things that we ought to be if we're really your kids. And you went on to give us these pictures of these gates and roads and all these things that were kind of hard. But now, you speak in parables and Jesus answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you. You have your Bible and you're not adverse to marking in it. You can put a line, circle disciples and circle you and put a line between them. It's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it's the same them in the question. But to them. People who don't know the Lord, people who are searching, people who are seeking, it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he'll have abundance, but whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. And therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them is the prophecy fulfilled, which says, it's referring to Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Hearing you will hear. And remember, this was authored by the prophet Isaiah almost 700 B.C., so 700 years earlier. Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears bare, hard of hearing. Their eyes they've closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand and with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Jesus goes on now to continue. This commentary, he says, but blessed are your eyes, for they see. And your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see. The coming of the Messiah. And did not see it. And hear what you hear. The word of the Messiah himself. And did not hear it and so Jesus begins to unfold before he gives the interpretation of the parable that he's just spoken the parable of the sower he, he now moves to this place of reminding them what he's doing God doesn't do anything accidentally Jesus doesn't speak idle words and as he speaks these things what he's really doing is revealing and concealing He's making something very plain to those who have a heart to hear, and he is purposely and willfully making it so the element of faith is essential, and in doing so, he conceals. You see, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And we come to salvation by grace and through faith, amen? You're here tonight, and you're saved. You're saved by grace. The vehicle of that grace is faith. No one ever comes to Christ by a mere intellectual understanding of a certain set of words. No one ever comes to Christ truly because they have been cajoled. No one ever comes to Christ simply because they got a certain set of facts correct. No one comes to Christ because they simply did a certain group of religious things. Anyone and everyone who's ever been saved has come to Christ by faith. And so Jesus is setting up, in essence, the necessity of believing by faith. He's reminding them that Lots of people can give persuasive argument about many things. We could pick a subject and we probably have someone in this room that could expound upon that subject and bring enlightenment, intellectual understanding on it. And the same is true for religious endeavor. Someone might be able to explain to you the doctrine of salvation, maybe the doctrine of Maturation or propitiation. It could bring you some great theological treatise and, and you would sit there and go, wow, well, you know, if they can speak like that, then surely that must be truth. You, you see, you don't come to faith in Christ by understanding something. You come to faith in Christ by belief. It remains faith. It's always faith. And so Jesus is establishing this And the reason he's doing so is many people believe, wrongly, I might add, that mere force of argument or words is sufficient to force people into a place that ultimately they have no resistance to that argument and thereby, what else are you going to do but get saved? Many people believe that about creation science. People believe that about life experience. You know, you talk to someone who's had a powerful experience with the Lord and they share that experience. We call that a testimony, by the way, and someone shares that testimony and someone hearing it can be so persuaded of the reality of that testimony that now they actually believe in the testimony. They don't actually have faith to believe. They just believe in the testimony, the events. And so Jesus is making a distinction here. And he's doing so for a purpose. Because when people say they're Christians, it means that you believe by faith. Not just that you heard a good story. Not that you went to church. There are people that believe wrongly, again, in this country, that simply by attending church, you're saved. Simply by being baptized, you're saved. You're saved simply by having parents who know the Lord Jesus. Well, you must be a believer. It's personal faith in a personal Savior that saves. Jesus points out this twofold reason. He's going to give the parables to reveal meaning to those who receive him, and to conceal the meaning from those who do not. And so he says, look, these mysteries, they're not complex stories. This isn't something where Jesus is intentionally making it more difficult than it really is. He's simply saying there have been mysteries about faith since the time that time began. Since day one, Adam and Eve would have had some mysteries. You know, here we're walking with God in the middle of the garden. They're talking to God. They actually, can you imagine They had the privilege of walking with God in the cool of the day. And yet they still fell in sin. Doesn't that boggle your mind? Have you ever wondered how they got there? You see, even Adam and Eve were not forced into believing. Their idyllic environment, what they lived in, how they lived their life, God provided everything for them. And yet that was not sufficient to keep them from following after their flesh. And so there were mysteries to them. How, you, you can probably picture Adam and Eve at the dinner table talking over, Honey, what in the world were you thinking? Well, you, you, Adam, you're not so bright either. I mean, you ate, of the, you ate after I did. I mean, don't blame me. You see, you can have mental assent. You can have understanding and still not have faith. The issue here is the mystery of faith. During that day and time, there was an influential Greek philosoph- philosophical system carried over through much of the New Testament time called Gnosticism. And basically the Gnostics believed that they had special knowledge and that special knowledge gave them special privilege to understand mysterious things. That's not saving faith. That's just simple understanding that other people don't have. And so Jesus draws a a distinction between those things. And so Jesus starts talking at this time about his kingdom. And, And at that time, remember that they had the Old Testament. And so the Old Testament, the kingdom that Jesus is speaking about, is quite concealed in the Old Testament. That earthly present kingdom that you all are a part of, by the way, Because as believers in Christ Jesus, you have Christ available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So in that sense, the kingdom is available in every single believer right now. Very mysterious to them. You see, you remember when Jesus was rejected and the mob cried out, we have no king but Caesar and we do not want this man to rule over us they were rejecting the kingdom because they didn't want that kind of king they wanted a kingdom where Jesus was going to come in call up the masses wipe out the Romans and take over that's the kingdom they were looking for you see the kingdom was concealed at that time they didn't get it because it was a kingdom that would be internal and not external. There will be an external kingdom, but it's still coming tonight. Our king's still coming, family. Jesus is coming back. And he's going to establish his earthly, real, literal kingdom right here. But right now, a little bit of the kingdom lives in every one of you who believes in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is setting this up for them. Even though they were citizens, he begins to describe that citizenship to them. You, you see, even to our day, most Jews, most of those who claim to be even practicing Orthodox Jews are not quite sure exactly how it all works. They're not really certain how this religious system that we know as Judaism, actually can bring about a right relationship with God because there's no temple, there's no sacrifices, all the things that were commanded they can't do. And, And so it was at that time that was about to be the reality. 37 years after Jesus preaches this message as he speaks these parables, Titus would sack Rome, the temple would be destroyed, the Blocks from it we pushed off the temple mount, and so it remains to this day. And so he's saying, look, there's still a kingdom. It's still going to come. And you all are a part of it. And so Jesus begins to unfold the interpretation now. And so he's given them the parable, and he says to them now, verse 18, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. He's told them what the four types of the human heart are. And now he's going to explain it so nobody misses it. You see, if you understood the real kingdom, if you understood the king, if you had faith in your life that was saving faith, these things would make sense to you. And so Jesus said, look, it's concealed to people who don't know. Everybody's farming what seeds? I mean, come on. It doesn't... Tell a non-Christian this parable and you're going to get a perfect example of what happens when Jesus spoke this parable to people who didn't know him. They're going, oh, well, well, huh, I don't get it. And therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away that which is sown into his heart. This is the seed who is received by the wayside. Remember Jesus said there are four types of ground. Notice they all have the same soil but the condition of the soil is very different. You can take dirt, you can pack it as hard as concrete. You can take dirt, you can make it very shallow. You can take dirt, you can put a bunch of weeds in it and you can take dirt and till it wonderfully, perfectly fertilize it, water it, and make it so that it's ready for seed. You see, it's the same dirt. It's the condition of the dirt that Jesus is talking about. But he received the seed on the stony places as he who hears the word and ultimately and immediately receives it with joy. In other words, it's like, yeah, that sounds good. You ever met those people? They're after the next thing. And they begin to oh yeah, that's a great story. Well I heard there's this happening thing. That, that church that's on the corner of Knox and, and they come. Or maybe it's Hope Chapel, any place that God's word is preached and people there's something new. Well, I grew up in this kind of environment, and there's this you know, you know, the pastor wears. Levi's and Converse there and so we're going to go there and he's going to say something it is going to be awesome and we'll believe it but there's no depth to the soil receives it with joy yet he has no root in himself it endures for only a little while or when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. You see, truth will get tested in your life, family. You see what you believe and how you believe it is going to be tested in our world. And verse 22. Now he received the seed among the thorns as he who hears the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word. And he becomes unfruitful. There's competition. And you can see how Jesus is speaking these things. You can imagine the people who are kind of still stuck on the parable itself. And they're listening. They're going, wow. You know, there's the pathway. That's on the edge of the field. That's a place that the farmers kind of rolled their ox cart that's where they stored stuff they would take all the rocks out of the field and put them on the edge they'd kind of use them for a pathway and then there was a place that was right next to the place that was actually prepared and that place well it had some soil but that's where the bedrock was and they kind of just threw a little soil over it in hopes that something would grow there and then you had the place that kind of was on the, the edge of the field and nobody really ever went there because it was the furthest from the water and there was weeds and thorns and all kinds of stuff there. And then there was the field itself where the farmer had taken all kinds of care, the sower had taken all kinds of care to till that soil and pull out the rocks and make sure it was fertilized, it was prepped, it was ready for seed. And you can imagine now Jesus, in light of the parable, the original words, begins to tell them, look, it's not about farming at all. It's it's not about real seeds. it's, It's about people. It's about people. You see, but he who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some 100-fold. That's 10,000%, in case you were wondering. It's a whole bunch. And some 60. And some 30. It's talking about huge, massive increase. You see, family of God, our mission is very simple. We're to sow the seed of the gospel wherever we go. And we do it with the word itself. We do it with our lives. Remember, Jesus had actually already reminded us. There in in chapter five, we, we looked at it when we were there. And so live our lives before men that they will see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. You see, even the substance of your very life becomes a tool for sowing seed. Did you ever think of yourself as a seed sower? Wherever you go, you're scattering seeds. You see, your job, and I want to make this really clear, your job is not to determine where you're supposed to throw seed. It is not your job to try and figure out which kind of ground is there and be a selective sower. Your job is to be a sower wherever you go because there's some soil that's ready, there's some soil that's not, there's some soil that's rocky, and there's some soil that's as hard as concrete. Your job is to simply sow. You're to take the gospel into all the world and make disciples of men. Amen? Amen. You see, too many people get focused in on trying to decide whether it's a good place to throw seed or not. Can I tell you to please stop doing that? Scatter seed. Let your life scatter seed. Let your words scatter seed. Let your objectives, your goals the very substance of who you are scatters seeds. Let the back of your car scatter seeds. Let the way you drive scatter seeds. Some of you, that's going to be hard. (laughs) We're supposed to be sowers of the seed. We're not supposed to be going around, well, you know, I'm not going to waste my time on you. Here's why. Aren't you glad nobody thought that about you? They sowed seed, and you heard the good word of the Lord, And and you receive that. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen? So we scatter seed wherever we go. You scatter seed when you're at the movies. You scatter seed in the grocery store. You scatter seed at Home Depot. You scatter seed in the bank. You scatter seed when you come to church. You're supposed to be seed scatterers, sowers. And so Jesus says, look, you're going to get four different basic responses to what you do, but you do it anyway. 19th century commentator William Arnaud said this. He said, Every leaf in the forest, every ripple in the lake, which itself receives a sunbeam on its breast, may throw the sunbeam off again and so spread the light around. And in like manner, everyone, old or young, who receives Christ into his heart, may and will publish with his life and with his lips that blessed name. As God has poured into you, you're just supposed to bounce that light back. That, that seed should come in and out. It's the seed of the gospel. It's the seed of the truth of the word of God. You see, the seeds in this parable are all of the same nature and they're sown from the same bag, the bag of faith. We reach into that bag of faith, we pull out that handful of seeds, and wherever we go, we just scatter some of it. Do you ever think when you're sitting at a restaurant, and you take the time to actually, and you don't care whether the waitress or the waiter walks up, you take the time to honor God for his provision in your life, and you say, in Jesus' name, amen you are scattering seed because you mentioned the name of the one and only way, truth and life, the only one that can save. You spoke his name out loud at a simple thank you to God for his provision. That is seed scattering because people will then wonder, what's this whole praying for everything got to do with anything? Anything. You see, maybe they're that thin, very light-coated rock that's just got a little soil. And yeah, maybe it's going to pop up, but you don't know that. You see, Jesus even spoke to the unbelieving Jewish leaders that were in Jerusalem in Matthew chapter 5, and he reminded them, he said to them, Look, you search the scriptures for you think that in them you have eternal life but they bear witness of me. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the resurrection of life. I am the door of the sheep. I am the living water. I am the bread of life. So you scatter Jesus wherever you go. We scatter Jesus wherever we go. Can I tell you that there's no such thing as a heart that cannot be redeemed? We need to stop making that distinction. Oh, it's easy to do. I've done it myself. But our job is not God's job. That's God's job to determine whether a heart is so hard that they won't receive. Our job is to simply scatter seed. Tell people the truth about our Savior. Jesus actually said categorically, The one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Maybe you've given up on a parent. Maybe you've given up on a friend. Maybe you've given up even on your own spouse. Maybe you've given up on your own children. Can I remind you that that's not what God wants you to do? You keep scattering seed. Every person in this parable could receive the seed. And so he gives four kinds of hearers. You see, it's not the composition of the soil, it is the condition of the soil that the Lord Jesus is speaking about here. It's not the makeup. It's not. He's not sitting there, he doesn't go to a lab and go, well, here's all the you know, the elements that are in this particular type of dirt. And if it has these things in it, it's got so much zinc and so much manganese and so much sandy loam and so much nitrate and so much nitrogen. And there's all these things. And he's not looking at the composition of the soil. He's looking at the condition of the soil. Because every human heart, for God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance from God's perspective. He's created every human heart with the capacity to receive and believe. There's some soil there. Will you scatter some seed on it? And maybe you're going to scatter it on some people that in these first three categories, the likelihood of it sticking is not as great as it would be in someone whose heart is before the Lord ready. And so the first type uh, of condition of the human heart, the first type of ground, verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches it away. He was the one that was sown uh, there by the wayside. You see, that person has had a compacted heart. Their heart has been pressed down and beat on. You've met them. You know those type of people. Their lives have been filled very often with pain and anguish and sin. Their, Their lives have been squished down, beat on, trampled on, walked over. And there's not much topsoil. There's no place for that seed to even land. They don't understand. Sometimes they don't understand uh, even the whole thought process behind why would God even love them? Continually, they've consistently resisted. They've they've become impervious. We use that word. You know, we have some laws, new laws here in the state of California that when you do uh, new paving projects, you, you have to have so much of the surface on, on any new parking lot as semi-permeable. In other words, you have to have grass block and things that let water go through and all that kind of stuff so that we don't have so much runoff. You know, a lot of people's hearts are pretty much like a parking lot, aren't they? They're hard. You throw seed out onto a parking lot, not much gonna good good going to happen, but that's not your place to determine whether that heart is as hard as a parking lot or not your job is to just simply scatter it's what jesus would do notice that jesus didn't and i want you to see this we find no record in any of jesus's teaching i want all the really spiritual people to sit over here and the rest of you i want okay well you useless to talk to you you can leave Um, You over there, I see that hand. You're absolutely a stone-cold heathen. You're out of here. You're going to hell. Jesus doesn't do that, does he? Let me give you a secret. He could have. He knew the condition of every single heart. There wasn't one person in the crowd that he couldn't have pointed on uh, July 3rd. In 2007, you're going to accept me as your He knew when that would happen. We called it his foreknowledge. God being God knows all things, amen? He still sowed the seed to people who would reject him. As a matter of fact, we find a vast majority of the time he sowed seed to people that would reject him. But he sowed it anyway. stony ground thorny ground compacted hard ground the seed needs to go out you see most people who have that type of heart you see, it's the fool who hates wisdom and instruction exactly as proverbs 1 says and it is indeed a fool who says there is no god you're going to run into people that are going to be in that category they're going to say i don't believe in god Your job is not to determine whether they're going to believe or not. Your job is to sow seed. Why am I beating this drum? Because too many Christians try and play Holy Spirit. Too many Christians try and determine whether it's worth it or not. That's not what we should be doing. We should just simply be preaching the gospel with our lives. Making sure that the gospel goes out. The evil one will come like the hard path and snatch away seed. But if we sow it and we sow it and maybe somebody else is going to come along and they're going to be the one that busts up the fallow ground of that person's heart. Maybe someone's going to come along. Man, I've seen some hearts. You, you could drop an A-bomb on it and it's not going to loosen up. But God knows whether they need one, two, or three nuclear weapons to tear up that soil so it can receive seed. So you just scatter seed. God doesn't use fear. God uses truth. God uses kindness, for it is, as David said, it is your kindness, O God, that leads men to repentance. He said I look back at my own life and I'm so thankful that seed was sown into a hard young man's life. Hard heart. There wasn't one person in my life who would have known that my heart would soften. From outward appearances, people could have looked at my life and said, it's pointless. And yet at 13 years old, something happened. My parents' divorce, which had compacted my heart, made it as hard as stone. Something happened. And I think some tiny seed sown when I was seven years old at a vacation Bible school in a Presbyterian church in Poway, California. There were only two churches in the whole area that we lived in. There was a little seed And somehow there was a crack in that hard surface, and that one seed fell in. Amen? Amen? You know what's crazy about a single seed? And you've seen it. For those of you who love wilderness photography, no greater example of that than Ansel Adams. Amen? You've probably seen his famous picture of the tree on top of Sentinel Dome. Weather beaten, but somehow there was enough soil in that little crack for that seed to sprout. And that tree has now flourished for some 240 years. And while it does that, it pushes that rock a little bit further apart. And when it does that, a little more soil develops in that crack. And then every winter, you get some ice and some snow in there, and it blows up a little bit more. And what started out as a little tiny crack with almost no soil in it, now there's a significant pocket of earth with a d- very deeply rooted tree. Don't try and determine whether the soil's too hard or not. You scatter seed. The superficial here. The second type, verse twenty, but he received the seed in the stony places, he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but it has no root in himself, and endures for a little while. And when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. You see, there are some people, and you probably all have this You know, if you have any grass at your house, you know, sometimes it kind of creeps up over the sidewalk a little bit and, you know, it kind of laps over the edge. There's a little bit of dirt, a little bit of mud that makes its way up there and the grass seed kind of spills over the edge and it begins to grow. But you can peel it off really easy. It doesn't stick. The soil's good, there's just not much of it. You see, there are people that that happens to them in their lives. And so Jesus explains this second type of heart, that person who's superficial. Oh, they're, they're quickly after the next thing. They may even have a type of repentance. They'll go through religious experience after religious experience, and they, and they begin to just, ah, oh, it's just like you, you look at them, and it looks like there's real growth in their life. But here's how you know that it fell on thin soil. Because the first time it gets tested, maybe the second time it gets tested, it gave in. There's no depth, there's no root. But all of a sudden, you you kind of look at it, it's like, weren't you teaching Sunday school last week? as you see their car pulled into a bar in your neighborhood and you see them and you, you come out you know bro, sister I, I they saw you I don't
1: well no, I
0: don't really believe that stuff anymore you know I was okay until he told me I couldn't sleep with my boyfriend or my girlfriend you know this whole thing about not being a drunkard I mean come on I mean everybody self-medicates you, you see, the word gets tested in that person's life, and all of a sudden the price seems too high. Can't do it. They had an emotional response. And when the trial comes, boom, I'm out. See ya. Interesting that the words translated falls away here. a single Greek word, it's scandalizo. And it it means exactly what you would think. It it means to scandalize. In other words, the fact that this person ever professed a relationship with Christ is a scandal because it's not who they really were. Little tiny bit of soil. Friends, family, co-workers, employers begin to criticize the faith of that type of person, and all of a sudden. They don't want anything to do with Jesus. There's a lot of people in that category. And usually in them you'll find no repentance, no hatred of sin, no real turning from the things that should be the mark of a child who's redeemed. Amen? We're new creations in Christ Jesus. The old things are passing, active present tense, passing away passing away, constantly passing away, forever passing away, forever we're being transformed into the image of Jesus. As we live out our lives on this earth, we're supposed to get better from day one to the time we go home. Doesn't mean that we have salvation by works. It simply means that if you have a real relationship, you have real change. Not the kind our president talked about the kind that changes your life eternally. Amen? The third type, the worldly hearer, and now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and cares for the things of this world. The deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and he becomes unfruitful. You see, you can have a relationship with the Lord and be unfruitful. And when it says unfruitful here, it doesn't mean fruitless. It means unfruitful. In other words, maybe you've had one of those things. We lived up in Running Springs. We had a bunch of fruit trees at our house. It is the biggest bummer in the world to pay a huge water bill and then have one stupid peach pop out of your tree. You go out there and you look at it. You take photos of it, you know. The birds come. You're like, I'll kill you. Don't get anywhere near my peach. You, you want a fruitful tree, amen? That's why you pour the water in, the fertilizer, you prune it, you do all those things. The same is true with God. He wants much fruit out of our lives. He, he doesn't want this one little peach on your tree of life. It's like, I'm kind of, sort of saved. He wants you to be so fruitful that the limbs break off from all the fruit. And so he says, look, what happens to people like this? The world's full of thorns. That's why John and First John 2 remind us, don't love the world. Don't love the world or the things of this world. For if you love the world, the love of the Father's not in you. It doesn't mean that you can't have things that are of this world. It simply means that you don't put your affection there. You don't invest your time, your talent, and treasure in, into simply things of the world. You let God be God, and you worship the true and the living God. But see, somebody who's like this, Paul warned us about in 1 Timothy 6, he said, look, the the love of money is the root of all kinds of various evils. And for the longing of it, many have wandered from the faith. That's so what happens when you have the wrong priority. That's what happens when the seed gets cast in there with a bunch of plants who compete for the nutrients, for the soil itself, for the water. You see, they don't produce much fruit. Growing up in rural California, back when we still did farming, my family actually had uh, some acreage that was farmed. And if, if you were to go to my little town of Escondido back in the 1950s and 60s, it was primarily vineyards, raisin grapes mostly. But every once in a while, you'd, you'd look at a vineyard and it'd just start dying off. And then you realize that in that vineyard, there were normally these stupid vines that looked exactly like grapes. But they produced no fruit and they would get in and they'd be twisted in around the grapevines and before you know it, they'd just suck the life right out of the grapevines. And the reason you knew that happened, usually because you, you started looking, there's no fruit. There's no grapes. That's life. When you focus on the wrong things, the stuff of the world gets in and chokes out what God's trying to do in your life. Person who comes to church, never fully committed to serving, continually preoccupied with money and careers and fashion and sports and every other thing except for the will of the lord begins to choke out the good seed A person who claims to love the lord but can't remain faithful that chokes out the things of the lord A person who refuses to let go of worldliness that worldliness will creep back in and choke Out the Lord and then finally the fourth condition the receptive here but he who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some 100 fold some 60 some 30 you see this fourth patch of ground is good soil is prepared well it's that heart that's just open to the things of God. And you can probably remember in your own salvation experience when all of a sudden you realize, i, I got to know Jesus. I remember my own salvation experience as if it happened yesterday. I was sitting on the left side of El Cajon First Baptist Church. We were, at, we were having a crusade with this evangelist named Mel Dibble. I don't even remember his name. And bear in mind this is the better part of fifty years ago. And I remember he, he had preached this message. <laughs> I think he stole it from Oswald Chambers. But I realized I was a sinner and I needed a savior. And as was always true in the 1960s, someone went to the organ and began playing, just as I am. Just as I am without one plea. And I thought, man, that's me. That's me. I don't have a single plea. And by the time they got to the verse that says, and he is waiting still, I'm running down the aisle. Like, I got to go get saved. I need a savior. You see, at first I had a little bit of dirt, I had some hard, compacted concrete, asphalt, and granite. I had some weeds. But finally, the soil got tilled up, and it's like, I need to know Jesus, like right now. But see, nobody would have known. The same kid that was sitting in that pew had been sitting in the pew a couple of weeks previous, talking smack about the pastor, not caring two words about what was being said. but the soil finally got to the condition to where the seed stuck. And some 50 years later, here I am. And I say that because nobody would have known, nobody could have looked at me and said, well, the soil of his heart, forget it. Nobody could have looked at me and said, well, he's ready. Nobody would have been able to figure any of that out. But somebody sowed seed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for the seed sowers. And I want you to see that there's all kinds of different responses, even in the good soil. (laughs) I don't know about you, but that'd be a pretty good rate of return, you know, if you got a 10,000% return on your investment. You know, when you sow seed, you never know when you're going to get a 10,000% return on your investment, or a 6,000% return, or a 3,000. Those are all good numbers, aren't they? I came to you right now with the way the stock market's going and promised you a, you know, someplace between 10 and 3,000% rate of return. Oh, yeah. yeah sow some seed one day you're going to be standing in heaven wandering around in the glory of the lord and you're going to see the return for sowing that seed you may not know it on this earth you, you, nobody may you know you may you may be one of those people that just your life spoke about the love of god the plan of god the glory of god his incredible care for mankind. And so Jesus simply reminds them, look, there's four different kinds of soil in view here. They're all the same soil in and of themselves. You don't know which soil it is that you're sowing seed to, so you just sow seed. If it lands on that soil that's compacted, Maybe it's not ready, but maybe the birds scratching at the surface of that soil is going to open it up just a little bit. Maybe it lands on that stuff that's the underlying bedrock is not very far away. There's a little bit of soil because there have been some birds that have been scratching on the top of it and there's a little bit of soil turned up. Maybe you're going to sow it to that kind. Perhaps you're going to get to that place to where There's all kinds of things going on and your seed's going to be mixed in with some other things. You just sow seed. And the hope, the goal, is that ultimately that seed falls on the receptive heart. It might only be 25% of the time from this little analogy, but 25% is a whole lot more than what happens if you don't sow at all. Amen. Sow seed. Let God do the watering, the tilling, the breaking of the fallow ground. We ask you to join in that. It's a privilege. But be a sower. Amen. Worship team's going to come back out. They're going to close. and. A couple of songs, we're going to have some pastors come forward. Maybe you know somebody and you want to pray for them tonight. Maybe you have somebody in your life that the seed is very, it's fallen on a hard path. Maybe you have somebody in your life that you want to pray for. uh, That that seed seems to kind of pop up all the time and never really takes root. Maybe you have somebody in your life that you know their life is consumed with, with other things. The carers of this world have actually stolen that seed. Or maybe you want to pray for them. Maybe you're here tonight, and God's been speaking to you. Maybe you're like me. You know, maybe you've been sitting in a pew, you've been hearing messages day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. And, and maybe God's already tilled up the fallow ground of your heart. And maybe tonight you want to know Jesus. We're going to have some pastors that are going to be up front. And we'd love to pray with you. Love to lead you in that simple prayer of salvation. Because God's grace is available to anyone who will ask. It comes by faith. And so as we've sown seed tonight, maybe it's fallen on a heart tonight. Receive, believe, be cleansed, be healed. And so I'm going to close in prayer. The pastors are going to come forward. Justin, the worship team are going to lead us in a couple of songs and then we'll, we'll dismiss here in a few minutes. The rest of you, now it's time to sow seed. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you never give up. You never grow tired. You don't weary. Your arm is not shortened that you cannot save. And so God, pray tonight, there's anybody here, Lord, even a single person that's never surrendered to the one who tills the hearts of mankind God, would you break up that fallow ground, Lord, with the word of the Lord, which is you desire for all to be saved, come to the knowledge of repentance. Would that word just split that rock, God, that hard place. We pray for those that maybe you're here tonight and, and the seed's been sown before and maybe it's sprung up, but the cares of this life, or maybe the person that's come and there's just too many thorns, there's too much junk, God, they need to deal with that junk tonight. God, would you do that in this place? And for the rest of us, God, may we be found sowing seed. Would we reach into the bag frequently and often as we scatter that seed? God, would you water it? Would you fertilize it? Would you till that soil? Would you pluck the weeds? Lord, not just in other people's lives, but in our lives. God, would we be found as a fruitful garden when you come? We bless you. We praise you. We thank you. And God's people all said Amen. We just stand.